How many have mowed your grass already? How many of you know when you mow your grass, you get stung sometimes? Has that ever happened to you? Getting stung is the worst. And uh, Tori is allergic. My wife up here, that uh, pretty lady that was standing on the right, um, that the, the pretty man on the left was Andy. You can meet him later. Uh, <laughs> but Tori is allergic to bees. And no, so far, it's not been life-threatening or anything like that. Uh, but it's uncomfortable. And that's a problem, because although Tori doesn't like bees, they like her a lot. She's gotten stung far more than I've ever gotten stung. And I'm, I think it's because she's freaked out about them, and uh, she just puts off a bad vibe. And they just want to you know, sting her for some reason. But uh, let me tell you a little story. The year was 2013, and uh, the date was June 13th. And Tori and I were trying to get little one-year-old Chloe and three-year-old Noah out the door in our apartment in LaGrange, Georgia. And if you have had kids or, or grandkids or something like that uh, recently where you have to get everything in the car, right? You've got diapers, you've got a bag, you've got all the stuff, car seats, don't forget the favorite blanket, you're on little sleep. Little Noah loved to run around, but he didn't love shoes. And as we were walking out the door, I opened it, and there was a monster on the threshold of that door. It was unlike anything I'd ever seen in person before. I'd read about these, I'd seen them on nature shows before, but they might as well been aliens to me. Well, this horrible creature quickly made a beeline to Noah's big toe and stung it viciously. And Tori and I were horrified. We had no idea what to do. We were sure that Noah needed to go to the hospital. We weren't sure if he'd lose his toe or, or even worse. And this is what it was. Put that next picture up there. There it is. It was a scorpion. What's even worse is Noah's running the slides today too. So he's got some PTSD back there. But Tori and I had thought we moved to Georgia to be a youth pastor and a worship leader, and we had no idea that we had moved to Georgia to be missionaries, right, on the mission field, to see animals like this and to get stung. But little did we know that although these are creepy and a little bit scary in Georgia, the sting of a scorpion there is no more than a bee sting. And Noah was fine about 10 minutes later, although he can crawl on walls now. But in some areas of the world, this sting would have been the sting of death. Now, if you're here this morning and you aren't really familiar with church or Christianity, or it's been a long time, we're so excited that you're here. But the first thing you need to know is that the resurrection is a big deal. A literal man named Jesus lived in Israel 2,000 years ago. No credible historian denies that. Secular historians of his day recorded it, as well as a wealth of Christian writers. We have more evidence and records about the life of Jesus Christ than perhaps any other ancient person. And Jesus taught, and thousands followed him, and he did miracles in front of crowds of people. 
And he spoke out against corruption in the church and he talked about a new kingdom, a spiritual one where God would rule and reign and bring peace and put away sin and death. The political and religious people hated Jesus. Many people turned on Jesus when he found out that he was saying that he was God and that they needed to go through him to restore their relationship with God. And they put on a corrupt trial and they beat Jesus and they spit on him and they whipped him. And then an innocent person, an innocent Jesus died on the cross. And Jesus knew what he was doing. The night before in the garden, he prayed and he prepared himself. We just celebrated that day that he died this last weekend on Friday night. We call it Good Friday because it was good for us, but it was painful for him. He was betrayed and he was abandoned by his friends and he was crucified in a horrible death and buried in a borrowed tomb. But then he rose again on the third day. We deserved that punishment for our sin, but Jesus took it for us so that we didn't have to. And this is the gospel. This is the reason for Easter. It's more than just a holiday that we celebrate once a year. The resurrection is everything for a Christian. And without the resurrection, we have nothing. In fact, Paul says this to the church in Corinth, and we're going to be in that book called Corinthians. It's on the second half all the way to the right. There's a Bible in front of you if you want to uh, check that out or on your phone or something like that. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You can also go in the app, and we have a note section in our CBC app. You can follow along there too, but we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15 the whole time. We're going to start off in verse 13. It says this, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is our faith. If there is no resurrection, there is no church. But the explosive growth of the church all over the world over the last 2,000 years is evidence that something happened that day. And it was real. Those disciples and those people had turned their back on Jesus as he's being arrested and he's crucified. But all of a sudden, they found themselves dying for Jesus. Why? What changed? He rose from the dead. So Paul, who ministered to the early churches after Jesus ascended to heaven, wrote two letters to this church in Corinth. In that first letter, in chapter 15, Paul talks about the sting of death. And don't forget, these people were facing it. They were seeing people just like them that were being uh, killed for their faith. Being part of that early church was dangerous. So Paul wants to uh, pull away this curtain of mystery of death and to show them what happens. Only a handful of people that have gone through that door into the next life have come back, and it's about 10 or so accounts in the Bible. But what happens at death? How should we feel about it? We should be scared to death of death, right? So Paul starts by telling them the story of 
the death and resurrection of Jesus again, the Easter story, the most important story. We see that in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, For I delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scripture, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve, that's the disciples, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though many have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, Paul says he appeared also to me. Paul says, look, as you're thinking about death, don't forget that Jesus actually died. As you're being faced with this decision to follow Jesus or perhaps face death, think about how Christ went through this door already. And just like Scripture said he would, he was buried. And on the third day in the grave, he got up. Not just figuratively, but literally. Peter saw him. All the disciples actually did. The half-brother of uh, Jesus, James, saw him too, and then 500 other people at once. And Paul is saying here in this passage that many of these people at the time of this writing are still alive. And they saw this. And then later after Jesus ascended to heaven on the road to Damascus, Jesus appeared to Paul too while he was persecuting Christians actively. But Paul was forever changed by this uh, interaction with Christ. Paul is reminding them, hey, I didn't start this thing. He was just passing on the hope that was given to him. And what Paul's in this this chapter trying to do is to tell them how they can look at death and how they can think about death. And for the next few verses, he tells them that Christ was raised bodily and that we will be raised bodily one day too. We aren't ghosts in the next life. We have real bodies, new ones that are perfect, just like back in the Garden of Eden. And Jesus shows us that for a believer, death is not the end of life. Many times when the Bible refers to death, it talks about it as sleep. Why? Because you wake up. It's not over. For a believer, the body is just a seed, and when it's planted in the ground, a new and a more beautiful life erupts. Adam brought death into this world when sin came in, but Christ defeated death on the cross and brought back life to anyone who accepts it. And when Jesus comes back the second time, he will rule and reign in his kingdom. All other authority gone. Every enemy is defeated. And that last enemy that's destroyed is death. But Paul continues to explain this mystery of death. In verse 51, he says, Behold, I tell you a uh, mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, And the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. 
And when the perishable puts on imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? He says the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says, therefore, because of all this, because of how we can look at death, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. In this passage, Paul is telling them that Christianity, believers, Jesus followers, will not be snuffed out. Christians will remain until Jesus returns again. And some will sleep that sleep of death, but some will also be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, raised to eternal life without passing through death. And that may be me, that may be my children, it may be their children, but one day Jesus will return. And this idea that the church would remain until then would have been significant for these early Christians. There weren't very many of them. I'm sure there were times where the church would have seemed to be hanging by a thread and and the bad news that they got would have felt like it was the end of the church and the end of Jesus' followers. And I bet they couldn't imagine that 2,000 years later, 2.6 billion people alive today would claim the name of Christ and that hundreds of thousands of miles away, hundreds and thousands, not hundreds of thousands, that we would meet in a place called Clarksburg, West Virginia, thousands of miles away from where this whole thing started and thousands of years later, and that they would remain and that the church would prevail and the gates of hell cannot heard it. Death wasn't going to win. And the grave wasn't going to get the victory. Yes, this body will be traded out for a new one because this one is tainted and it's broken down. But when I get the upgrade, it's going to be an immortal body, eternal life with Jesus face to face. Hebrews 11 tells us this body is like an old set of clothes but we'll put on a new body that will last forever. See, it seemed like Good Friday was a defeat, but what Satan used for evil, God meant for good. The cross was not a loss. It was a victory. But this doesn't just change what we do and how we act in the next life. It changes us right now. N.T. Wright says this, The truth of the resurrection of the dead and the transformation of the living is not just the truth about the future hope. It's a truth about the presence, significance of what we are and do. And if it's true that God is going to transform this present world and renew our whole selves, bodies included, then what we do in the present time with our bodies and with our world matters. For far too long, many Christians have been content to separate our future hope from our present responsibility, but that is precisely what Paul refuses to do. 
The resurrection of Christ is not just something that matters in the past. It's not just something that matters in the future. It matters right now. It changes things. It changes how we live. It changes how we act and what we care about. Death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him. Like a cat with a mouse, Christ overcame death and defeated it forever. And the scorpion of death may seem scary. And the sting of death may seem like the worst possible thing that could happen. But there is no lasting power to it. Because Jesus took the keys of death and the grave and crushed Satan and his plans. Paul says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? And in this passage in 1 Corinthians 15, as he quotes this, Paul combines Old Testament scriptures from hundreds of years before Christ. And he combines these verses from Isaiah 25, 8 and Hosea 13, 14. And he smushes them together and he gives us that quote. In Isaiah 25, 8, it says, He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. Hosea 13, 14, it says, I shall ransom them from the power of Sheol, that is death. I shall redeem them from death. Oh, death, where are your plagues? Oh, Sheol, where is your sting? No tears, no pain, just victory. Leon Morris says, death is a malignant, malignant adversary, torturing people. But Christ has drawn its sting, and it's harmless to those that are in him. And because of Jesus, we can stand firm in the face of death. We can hold on with unwavering faith. No matter how bad the world gets, no matter how dark it gets around us, because of the victory of Easter and the cross. That is why we have hope. And it is all that we have today. And yes, we're sad to be apart from those believers that we love. But we have joy when we remember that they have new bodies and no pain and no tears. Only bliss and fulfillment forever in Christ. And one day, if Christ doesn't come back before then, we will all suffer this wound from the scorpion of death. But it's not over. It's just asleep. And when we awake, it will be in glory. And when Jesus does come back, he will make a new heaven and a new earth, everything redeemed. And what we lost in the garden of Eden will be restored again. So Paul in this passage is challenging us to let this answer of, uh, to this question, what happens at death? To let this answer change us. This knowledge of what happens for a believer at death should help us to live differently. We should be the least anxious and the least worried people around because we know what happens next. And yes, this life will be hard, and yes, there'll be times where we are uncomfortable, and we will suffer. 
But this next verse tells us how we should live in the face of hardship. In verse 58, 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Therefore, because of all this, because Christ has defeated death, it says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Because of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, we can be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that God sees us and he knows us and he cares about us. And he has a plan for us in the next life. And we can use this life for the eternal life. We can live this life for the next life. Easter defeated death. And the cross brings victory over the grave. So be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in God's work. You don't have to watch the news and be nervous and scared about what's going to happen next. And every time the world progresses further into sin, we don't have to worry about what God's going to do. The last chapter is already written. And what Jesus did 2,000 years ago finished it. If you've ever watched soccer, and I'm not a big soccer person, but there's hardly any goals, amen? It's just the most boring thing in the world. <laughs> but you get a team that's like up like three nothing on another team, and there's like 20 minutes left in the game. You're just waiting out that clock till the game is going to end. It's pretty much finished already. And that's where we're at right now. It's already finished. We're waiting out the clock. But it's not for us to kick back our feet and just relax. It's a time for us to show the love of Jesus Christ and to remember what he did on this cross and act it out for the people around us out in this world. To show the love of Jesus. Why? Because death is defeated. And since it's defeated, Paul mocks it. He puts on a little bit of trash talk. Death is overcome and swallowed up. And Paul's saying, oh, death, you're not so big and bad now, are you? Oh, death, you can't hurt me. Oh, death, you lose. I'm glad you're here this morning to celebrate the resurrection. But maybe you haven't yet put your trust in Jesus to cover your sin and to bring you back in relationship with God. Jesus is God in the flesh, an equal part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. And Jesus conquered death because he loves you and he wants you to be in a genuine relationship with God the Father. I promise you that we will never be a better day than Easter Sunday 2023 to make that decision to become a Jesus follower. And if you're lost and, and need rescue, Christ offers that rescue. He is your Savior. You just have to accept it. Because we've got a problem, and that problem is that we've lied and we've thought wicked thoughts and we've had 
hurtful words that have hurt people and cut people. And every one of those actions has consequences. Romans 3.23 tells us that the wages of our sin, what we earn for our sin, is death. And that's a separation from God forever, our Creator. It's not something that uh, as we accept and earn, uh, it's not something that we can earn. We can't get to God by enough good works. We'll never deserve anything but punishment for our actions. But Jesus gave you that gift on the cross. You just need to receive it. Jesus paid it all. And it's not something that you, you know, gradually work yourself into. It's not joining a church or even baptism as beautiful as that is. It's not something where you have to get your life together first. It's a moment. It's an instance where you respond to Jesus calling you today to follow him and to put your faith in what he did on the cross. It's not good works or accomplishments. You can't earn your way to heaven because Jesus paid it all. You just have to let him cover that cost for you. And once that debt is paid, it's paid forever. This gift that he gives cannot be lost. And you can do that today, right now. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If that's you today, and you're someone that needs to make that choice once and for all, you can call out to God. The words aren't important. It's not a magic prayer. It's from your heart to God's ears. Admitting that your need for a Savior. Understanding your, uh, the weight of your sin. And turning from your sin and putting your faith in Jesus Christ. You could call out today with something like this. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know because of my sin that I deserve hell. God, forgive me. I'm turning from my sin. I'm turning to you. I put my faith in what you did on the cross and I put my faith in your resurrection that you can do the same for me. Save me. Thank you. If that's you today and you made that choice, you will still have space here for you to continue to pray. But before you leave, it would be amazing if you'd write that down on your connection card. I chose Jesus. And give us away an email address or uh, some way that we can contact you because Pastor Scott or I or Josh or, would love to follow up with you about what that means. And what's next? Because it's not the end of something. Becoming a follower of Jesus is just the beginning of the most amazing and wonderful journey in the whole wide world. But those of you who have already accepted this gift on the cross, how is it changing you? Are you living like death has no sting and the grave is defeated? We're not talking about being reckless, but we're talking about having a hope 
and every day understanding that this life is not the end. So I'm living for the next life. The longer one. The eternal one. Who are you telling about this amazing news? Christ put people around you. God's put people around you in your sphere of influence so that you could show them Jesus and live out an example and then tell them with your words. Christ did this for everyone. There is hope for the hopeless and there is rest for the weary. Don't live like you're defeated. Live the life of a victory all because of King Jesus. This Easter Sunday, he deserves your worship because he rose from the grave and he did something that you couldn't do and he triumphed over sin and death. Happy Easter. Oh, praise his name.